that has full intensity and can do a lot. And we have to realize we have this incredible weapon that HaKadosh Buhu gave us. Our weapon, unlike Ishmael. Wherever you get your podcasts from, or our own website, prismoftorah.org. This is The Prism of Torah with Rabbi Saf Aaron Prisman. Shalom Avrocha, as we start a new Chumash, Chumash Shmois, we know that it says, Vayamas Melech Mitzrayim, and the king of Egypt died, i.e. Paro. And at that point, Bnei Israel started sighing and screaming out to Hashem to help them. And as a result of that, slowly we see the Geula started, and the, the process of HaKadosh redeeming Bnei Israel from Mitzrayim started. And the question is, surely Bnei Israel davened to HaKadosh and screamed to HaKadosh even before this point. We know they had such a difficult time in Mitzrayim as they were deep into slavery and the Egyptians were not treating them well to say the least. So what is it about the fact that the Torah is screaming out there's a connection between that the king died to the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu listened to their prayers and through that they got redeemed to get out of Mitzrayim. So we know there's one Mahalach Rashi brings down B'Shem, the Midrash, the Shmois Rabba that it wasn't really a new king. It's as if he died because he got leprosy and what he did was shecht the babies of the Jewish people and he bathed in their blood and as a result of that they started screaming to Hashem. However, there's many Rishonim that go with a different Mahalach, Kipshutoi. And they literally understand that the king died and a new king came into power. So the question is, what is it about this time period, the turning point, that the king died and then Bnei Israel Zaku, screamed out to Hashem that suddenly HaKadosh Baruch Hu listened to their prayers and through that came the redemption. And we know there's a very, there's a very tightly coupled connection between the Geula and Mitzrayim and Chazal tell us also the Geula Latid Lavo that we're so yearning to, especially in the days we are holding in today. So I would like to bring down what the Balei Teisvas say and Rabbeinu Bechai says a very similar idea that Pnei Yisrael the whole time in the back of their mind, even though of course they were davening to Buhu, but in the back of their mind, they were saying to themselves, wait a second, soon this king is going to go out of power, he's going to die. A new king will come out, says the Balei Tesis. What usually happens is all the prisoners are let out. Anything the old king did gets taken away now and we start from scratch. And the new king comes. We have hope. We have hope. Call odd. They had this thought process in their minds. There is no way their davening, their tefillah takodesh was on the same level of intensity, purity coming from the heart. And we know that when davening is 100% pure coming from the heart, from a place of pain and anguish, that is a prayer that is, can be heard a lot more. And hence, call odd. They thought, wait a second. It's not game over yet. We can rely on the fact a new king is going to come into power and perhaps that will be the savior. However, when this dream burst in their faces and they realized the MS, everything we see, even the Teva, nature is really an optical illusion. And it's a curtain through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. As we already know and mentioned several times, the numerical value of HaTeva, the nature, equals Elohim, Hashem. They're both 86. Even without the Kolal, they're both 86. Because it's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Once you come to this realization, and hence you know no matter what's happening around you, if the American ship is leaving the sea or not leaving the sea, and over here 
It doesn't matter. It's all a Kaddish Buchu. And there's only one in the world that runs the world, and that is a Kaddish Buchu. And we have to daven to Kaddish Buchu. And if we daven in that way, that we scream out to Hashem, realizing that Enoid Milvadoi, ah, that's a prayer that has full intensity and can do a lot. And we have to realize we have this incredible weapon that our Kaddish Buchu gave us. Our weapon, unlike Ishmael, which is with the sword, bow and arrow, Ishmael and Esav, our Power is with our mouths. Tefillah HaKadosh Baruch And Bnei Yisrael get, got to the point when they had nothing to rely on but HaKadosh Baruch And hence, their tefillah, their za'aka is a totally different za'aka. It's a scream to HaKadosh Baruch when they daven to HaKadosh Baruch with a full heart. And surely that was heard a lot better by HaKadosh Baruch and hence caused the ripple effect that was putting a halt, a stop to Galus and started with the redemption, as Chazal tell us, even earlier than it should have been, thanks to the tzaka, the scream of Bnei Yisrael, Tarkadosh And we see a lot of these examples throughout Jewish history. The Gemara in Megillah says that Esther Amalka, she came to the king and asked for Haman to come with her. The Gemara asks, why in the world would she do that? Can't she just, she knew Haman was the enemy. Couldn't she just go to the king of Hashverosh on her own? One of the answers that the Gemara gives, she was worried that Nesha will say, we don't have to daven to get rid of the crazy demand that's in the world right now to get rid of the Jewish people. We have a sister in royalty. She'll take care of us. We have potexia, as they say over here in this country. Esther said, I can't have that happen. I need 100% tefillahs to help me. And hence, she wanted to fake them out. And she made them think, no, you can't trust me. Look what I'm doing. I'm bringing Haman. She actually tried to fake them out. You see the same idea when Rachel was desperate to have kids. She didn't have any kids. And she saw and she felt Yaakov wasn't davening enough to her, for her to have kids. And Yaakov reacts in a very extreme way and says, Am I instead of a Kaddish Buchu? Am I instead of a Kaddish Buchu? Am I the one that refrained from you to have kids? And the question begs itself. And the Farshim asks, how can Yaakov speak to her like that? And indeed, he did get punished on his level. However, based on what we're saying, his kavanas were obviously good. He wanted her and sure, you can't rely on my tefillahs. You can't rely on anyone over here. It's only between you and the Kodesh Buchu. You have to daven with all that you have. Realizing the only thing that's going to save you is your tefillahs. It's only a Kodesh Buchu. Once you daven in such a way, it can have extreme results. The same idea, perhaps we can say, is pshat like my... Dear friend, Reb Svei wanted to suggest, and similar to the Ben Ishchai, that when Leah told Rachel, I can't believe you're taking the Dudaim from my son. It's not enough that you stole my husband. Now you want to steal the Dudaim that Reuven, my son, has picked up. And with all the modesty Rachel said, had, she said, you're right. It'll be your turn to be with Yaakov tonight. And the question begs itself, as we mentioned before, several weeks ago, how can Leah treat Rachel after she bemet helped her out to get Yaakov, how can she speak to her like that? And the answer is she had good intentions. We can say based on what we're saying, her intentions were to make Rachel feel she's on her own. No one's helping her and it's only HaKadosh Buhu that can help her. And at that point she didn't have kids yet. And she kind of tried to force her to daven HaKadosh Buhu from a pure heart, from a place of tsa'al. When a person davens HaKadosh Buhu from a place of pain, and anguish, and realizes there is no one that can save me except you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the tefillah takes upon a different dimension. And that's what Yaakov perhaps was trying to do to Rachel, and that's what Leah was trying to do to Rachel. And that's the famous story that every kid learns when he's a little kid, the story in Shmuel, when Pnina and Chana are two wives of Elkanah, and Pnina has many kids, and Chana has no kids. 
that we know this is the parsha where the Gemara Baruchos teaches us all the laws pertaining to how we daven, because her davening, Chana's tefillah, was so special. So what did Chana do? Chana won, Pnina, sorry, what did Pnina do? Pnina won to ensure that Chana will have kids. She had good intentions. Even though Chazal teaches us that the ends don't justify the means, but everyone had pure intentions over here, and she, her intentions were that Chana will daven with a full heart, which she did, and therefore she always made her feel bad at the fact she doesn't have kids, and she was putting her down. Why? Because she wanted to realize no one's going to help you. The only one that's going to help you is the Kaddish Buch. And perhaps even Elkanah, Elkanah also had this in mind when he said to her, what are you worried about? I love you more than anyone. So you don't have kids. That's when she realized, wow, even my husband is not really davening seriously to help me out. Who's going to help me? The only one that can help me is the Eibishter, HaKadosh Buch. I have to daven with a full heart. And indeed, she did see the reward that she got kids, Baruch Hashem. She got kids. She got the special son of Shmuel, as we know. And last but not least, we'll bring one more idea that you see. One more place in Chazal that you see this idea portray itself. And that's the famous Gemara that talks about that we know when the Kohen Gadol passes away, then all the people that went, that killed someone accidentally and had to be in a refuge city, they had to be there until the Kohen Gadol of their times passes away. So obviously, you would think that all these people that are there, that killed by accident, they already want to go home to their kids, to their wives, to their hometown. They're davening Takadosh that the Kohen Gadol passes away so that can, they can be free out of uh, this city. The refuge city, the Miklat. So what does the mother Kohen Gadol do? She makes sure they have a good time in this city and she bakes them good cookies and cakes. And, and the question begs itself, what's that going to help? You think because they have some good cookies and cake, they're not going to daven anymore to ensure the Kohen Gadol dies? Of course they want to come home still. And the answer is, you're right. Of course they're going to still daven. But the fact that there's at least something going on for them, some benefit they're getting in their current situation, it's not as painful. Ah! So that already takes out the itch of their davening. The intensity went down a bit. And the mother of the Kohen Gadol realized that it's the full intensity that has a huge impact with a special kli of tefillah that HaKadosh Buhu gave us. We connect HaKadosh Buhu directly and can affect, affect amazing things. And hence they want to take that itch, that oomph away from the tefillah of all these people that killed accidentally and they want already come home. I want to suggest that based on this idea, we know Chazal teaches us Dima the gates to heaven. They all got locked up except for one, which is the gates of tears. I want to suggest that it's not really per se the gates of tears. The gates of tears are just a simen ladavan. They're not the real reason. They're a gilui and all they do is reveal to us that this person is giving it all he's got in his tefillah because he realizes everything around is an optical illusion and the only one that can change things for him is a Kaddish Buhu. The idea of Ein Oid Milvadoi, that it's only a Kaddish Buhu. A tefillah like that, on that we say, Sharedima Lo Ninalu. The shah of a purity, of a davening that you realize, I'm davening to the only person that can make an effect in my life, that can change things, and that's a Kaddish Buhu. Oh, that, those are the gates were not locked. And indeed, that is why there is a huge advantage going to a big tzaddik to daven for you. He doesn't have to be in pain in order to daven for you. He already realizes that the only one that can change things is the Kaddish Buhu. It is, he has the clarity that everything in this world is an optical illusion. And the only thing that really changes anything, and the only one that's in charge is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why we go to Tzaddikim 
to daven for us because he has that clarity and hence his tefillahs, his brachos has that intensity and major impact on the world to bring down Shefa and to stop the galus and to stop tzaos to coming. And needless to say, how desperate are we in these days that we need a Kaddish Bulhu's help? We shall never forget no matter what's going around us this person got bombed, this ship is over here, it doesn't matter. It's like little kids talking about, and what do you think you would do if you were in charge? That is not the topic people should have on their Shabbos table. The topic is, wow, we have to daven takadosh we have to become better people, we have to daven with a full heart, we have to say tilling for the soldiers and for all Jews all around the world, because that is what is going to make the difference. Anything else is, as they say, a brocha levatolo. I would like to end off with what became a famous story. Once upon a time, this is a very true story. Rabbi Vom and Chaya Musha were married and Chaya Musha remained childless for 17 years after getting married. Her father was a big Talmud Chacham who was learning all the time and it came to a point she was, she was crying all the time Davin Takadosh begging him to have a child. It reached the point where it reached rock bottom and that is because the doctor said listen you have no chance that you're going to have a kid. At that point, she felt really down. She came home. She didn't want to upset her father. She knew her father was learning. And she went down to the basement. She took a Tehillim book and she started sobbing and crying to Hashem. Her father came back in the middle of the day for some reason. He wanted to wait for his daughter before she comes home. He didn't know she was there already and he starts learning. And even though he's concentrating so much during his davening, he realized that there's a familiar crying voice in the background. He looked all over, he went to the basement, and he saw his daughter. He didn't want her to notice him. He started davening together with her because it was evident to him what she was davening for. He, oh, he too started crying and davening. At some point she turned around, she realized he was there. And he turned to her and said, Chayamusha, I want to tell you something. I promise you that you will have a kid this year. And indeed, she had a kid this year. She asked her father, how do you know? And he said, because I know that you davened with a full heart knowing there's nothing except Fakadosh that can change the current situation. You know who this was? This son of Chaya Musha, just like her father promised her, will be a light to all the Jewish people. A gadol ador, a paisek ador, who was an only child. And this was the story how it came about. And this person, this big Talmud Chacham, was the Helege Leshem. It was the daughter, it was the daughter of the Leshem. And of course, the grandfather of Eliashiv, Yiratzon, that will take this imperative concept of the major effects that 100% from the heart, from the lave, tefillah can do and use it all the time, but especially in our days that is so vital to help our fellow Jews, the ones that are in the front lines, the ones that are in different missions that we don't even know about. Yiratzon, through our tefillahs, through our tehillim that we say with a full heart, we're bringing the Geula. This concludes another episode of the Prism of Terror. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something valuable. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast and give a five-star rating. You can also find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts or our own website, prismofterror.com, where we have a full archive of all our past episodes. We would like to thank Yona Vefa for the recording equipment and Ellie Podcast Productions for handling all our post-podcast productions. Join us next week for another enlightening conversation on the Prism of Terror.